Cause we're the Houston Oilers Houston Oilers Houston Oilers number one Yes, we're the Houston Oilers Houston Oilers Houston Oilers when you're listening to Battle Red Radio. I'm Matt Weston, and tonight I'm joined by the biggest, the fattest, the drunkest one of them all, our good pal BFD. How are you doing tonight, man? I, I am feeling really extra super sexy tonight. That's all I'm doing. We're going to have a great episode. I'm looking forward to it. We're This is like AV special, so we're going to do this, baby. Yeah, I feel like uh, I'm in high school, like video film club or whatever, trying to figure out how to rip clips and everything else but for the show night the Texans finally kind of addressed the media after the DeAndre Hopkins trade and the moves they made this offseason and they did it in the most cowardly way possible which was a conference call that was like trying to keep people not to sell their season tickets pretty much and it involved Mark Vandermeer talking to Cal McNair and then to Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby and so for tonight's show we're going to listen to some of these clips uh me, you, and the listener, and you and I, and everybody else, and we'll uh, we'll dive kind of deep into some of this stuff because since I've been listening, since I've listened to it, I can't stop thinking about it because it's it's so absurd some of the answers and um, it's just such a a weird situation like how the team is being run at the moment, how they address the situation, and then also like what they're looking for and how good they feel about everything too because like they think they're everybody on the outside is just a bunch of noisemakers and losers and. They they're up to something really genius over here. It's 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 you know it's self delusion at its finest is what it is. It's 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 become like a cult like situation in the Texans front office. I don't have any nice way to put it at this point. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. It's a good way to put it, and it's been like I don't know. It's kind of been like this for a little while now, where it's been the only thing kind of keeping up the mirage has just been the nine and seven record. And also throughout this call too, they reference you know the AFC South championships at least like five or six different times, you know, and that's the one thing they've been able to get propped up on uh, during this entire you know just silly situation. It's it's ridiculous. It, it, that's like <clears throat> what they're shooting for: shooting for, striving for mediocrity. I just don't even have a nice way to put it anymore. They're just okay with winning the division, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's what it's, it's kept jobs, and the money keeps going printing off. You know. Yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And the other thing I'm going to say too, it's that's fun. I guess like how masochistic Texans fans are, because Mike did the group thing and I did the podcast about like you know what other Texan other teams you can root for if you're going to boycott the Texans for a season or something like that. And just about everybody was like, yeah, I'll watch other teams and I'll be interested in some other teams, but uh, I'm still going to watch this stupid football team. And like you don't have to do this until you die. Like you don't have to spend every single Sunday in the fall watching this team, but you know we all are because I guess this is just what we do. You know. Right, right. And it's, you know, I get it. I get it. I've watched some really terrible sports teams, the Astros and the Texans come to mind pretty immediately over the years that have had some truly terrible seasons. But man, I mean, you know, I think my favorite was the comment that we're the Antifa because we don't like, you know, Bill O'Brien. And that's just the message. And it's just like, it's such, that's such a ridiculous statement. It just shows how over the top. But I tell you what, if you go to like Twitter, like you don't have like this fan base on Twitter that's like going, oh, Bill O'Brien is the best. 
you've got I have never seen a fan base so incredibly united that wants to get rid of Bill O'Brien. I mean, you look at the Houston Texans, you know, tweets, and it's just comment after comment mm-hmm. to fire Bob. It's not yay Bob. It's to fire Bob. Yeah. No, it's been kind of funny seeing that as well too, where it's uh, how like it's how like the discourse has kind of changed, you know, and even even on the website as well. Like it's it's really kind of flipped around after it maybe being like fifty five, thirty five, or even though that doesn't make any sense at all, and the numbers are wrong on that, but it's something along those lines, you know, where it's sixty right. forty, or maybe it is fifty five. Yeah, it is fifty five, thirty five. No, it's not. Fifty five, forty five. Fifty five. There, yeah. there it is. We got it. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna go through these clips, and the first one here is Cal McNair uh, getting intro- introduced and talking about this little bug that's taking over the country. Uh, things are going well, Mark. It's unprecedented times, and it's amazing how uh, one little bug can change so much in all of our lives. <laughs> it's just incredible, but it has. Uh, we've been home uh, sheltering in place, as as you will, but um, been on the phone several times a day with uh, both the business side and the football side, keeping everybody uh, in track and um, headed the right direction. And it's going to be an exciting year for the Texans, even though uh, things are different. We're going to put together a great team and uh, have a great season. So it's still exciting. And we will work through this and we'll work through it together. So uh, Cal is just pretty much just talking about this situation we're all in. We're working from home, that sort of thing. But I love that's the that's been the best way to describe this is just some little bug. You know, it's incredible what some little bug is doing out there and keeping us at home. And it doesn't matter. We're going to persevere through this. It's not a bug. It's a virus. <laughs> I just when I hear this clip and I'm just kind of struck by um, like I'm on the phone a couple of times a day, keeping people on track. Cal, what do you do? I mean, are you making sure like their coffee is ordered? What is your actual role on this team? Because I don't get what you're actually keeping people on track doing because you're utterly worthless right now. Uh, You know, we're going to get a little bit farther in this in these clips. But, dude, dude, like every person at Reliant Stadium has more value than you do. Yeah, and it, it, that's a good point. It's not a bug. It is. I I guess it's a bug. A bacteria isn't. I don't know if a bug's a virus or not, but it is a slang. virus. Slang for slang. a virus. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just this little bug. It's incredible stuff. It really is. Also, I've never heard him speak at all before, and uh, he definitely just like he just sounds like the laziest man I've ever heard. He reeks of fail, son. Yeah. Like I just imagining him just sitting there with pajamas with a butt flap open, you know, and he doesn't know his butt flaps open, but <laughs> that's what he's wearing all day long. <laughs> that's awesome. So th- this next clip is Cal McNair Skyping and Zooming and talking about the Texans free agency period. Well, we spend a lot of time on conference calls. Coach and Jack are spending a lot of time on even more conference calls and the scouts are working and Skyping and Zooming and all these things that are really beyond me as far as a, um IT standpoint, but they're using them and having virtual meetings and and they're still studying film and studying players and and that they're doing interviews with players using technology and it's really amazing what all they can do, but they'll be ready for the draft. You know, whatever the league tells us we have to do, we'll do and we'll be ready and we'll make great choices. Our team's getting better through free agency. 
you can't look at any one move, but you got to put them all together. And you really need to look up at things over the last 18 months or so to see how the team has changed and how we'll continue to change. And the whole idea, the whole focus is to make the team better and take this next step that we're all so excited and looking forward to doing as the season unfolds here pretty soon. So I, I think definitely what's happening here with the Texans is that they're having all these meetings and be like, oh, yeah, it's on. Uh, it's on. Zo- we're zooming today. So, uh, you and then Cal can't figure it out. And so if he hears it zooming, they can do whatever they want. You know what I mean? Uh, it just once again, it's it's stupefying what what he's saying. You know, it's not like video calls are a new technology. I mean, this stuff is thirty <laughs> plus years old. And and for him to go like actually admit out loud, and, and look, the dude is like twenty years younger than my dad. You know. And my dad can Zoom, he can Skype, he can FaceTime. It's just like, oh my God, it's just listening to this guy, it just makes makes me wonder, like if his dad wasn't Robert McNair, would he even be qualified to like change tires? And I think the answer is no. Yeah, I could see him like maybe working at a bank and just giving out, you know, loans or something, just saying yes to every single one. How, how, so like Cal sounds like he's 85 years old as well too. And he doesn't know what Skype and Zoom, like you mentioned. Uh, I've been watching this documentary. I think it's called like, I think I've watched a few, you know, while I'm you know, working at the same time, that sort of stuff. And still listen to podcasts. And I think it's called In the Machines of Loving Grace or something. It's a Adam Curtis documentary and it's, it's great. But one of the things that they show in that video is like, Skype and Skype like video conversations like that have been around since like the 1960s. Like that's when they first developed the technology. It just hasn't been massively used until you know the last you know 20 years or so. And uh, it's hilarious that like you mentioned that you know this technology has been around forever. It really isn't that hard to work. Yeah, I mean, oh my God, my grandfather who would have been 104 years old this year was doing this type of technology in the 80s. Jesus. Oh my gosh. Anyway. How how old do you think McNair is? I think well, okay, so dad was I think eighty six when he passed. I think Uncle Bob was, if I remember correctly. So I'm guessing Cal's like right around like fifty five, fifty eight. Yeah, I would say like he sounds like he's eighty five, but I don't know. I can't, I can't find it. I can't find the number here. I can't find the number. I looked for it the other day too. Yeah. So Bob, cause Bob has a Wikipedia, but old Cal doesn't. Mm-mm. So I don't know. Bale's, Bale sons really don't get them. He's done a pretty good job staying out the limelight, not knowing who, how old he is at all. Right. Um, the, it's unbelievable. He doesn't have a Wikipedia and owning a professional football team. The other thing that he alludes to also is that they've had this plan for 18 months that they've been slowly building and developing this football team. <laughs> oh, we we haven't we just been making fun of them. We haven't even been talking about the absolute lack of substance and thought in what he said. So thank you, Matt. And this is a team that completely botched the Jadavion Clowney situation by not if they by not trading him ahead of his ability to sign a contract extension, which pretty much just after all his trade value and lets them gain the deal they got. Uh, they made the Laramie Tunsil trade because Matt Cleo was set up to be their left tackle. And they had no idea. They had no idea he was bad until the first day of practice, and then they just said like he's hurt, and he stopped practicing to save themselves the embarrassment. And this is a team that hasn't had some sort of like long term idea. They've wasted Deshaun Watson's rookie contract. 
they've made a few different decisions that were just like wake up one morning and it's the end of the world and we have to do something now and you know hoard a bunch of beans and all the beans are gone and uh now they're in a situation where like there's stability in the front front office with Bill O'Brien there I guess in a way but like this isn't a team with any sort of long-term strategy that they're building to at all they've constantly been making quick decisions because to cover up you know previous mistakes there is no long-term strategy. There's none. It's just let's going to be let's let's cluster kitten this as we go along. I mean, there's no. What is the strategy? What are they been building up to for the, for the past <laughs> eighteen months? What what is there to look at? I mean, you've lost DeAndre Hopkins and you've lost to Davion Clowney in this eighteen months, and you think you're getting better? Yeah, I don't know. And we will get to the strategy because they mentioned it a few times and. Their strategy is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So here's Cal McNair talking about the DeAndre Hopkins trade. And again, oh my God. DeAndre Hopkins was traded for David Johnson, the 40th overall pick in a fourth round pick swap. It's the big move with Arizona. Coach O'Brien is always saying it's all about what's best for the team. What are your thoughts on what's been done so far? Um, it's important that it is the focus is the team. And I would think as a fan, uh, I would be really excited that your leadership of the team can make bold moves and go out and do these things to make the team better and take these next steps that we're all looking forward to. So it's an exciting time for us, an exciting time for the fans. Uh, we're looking to keep the um, the draft at the same time. I know the fans are looking forward to that, and we're looking uh, to keep the start of the season at the same time. And so it will give the fans a lot to look forward to. And there's some other changes uh, down the pipe that the fans are really going to uh, appreciate. So diluted, just <laughs> utterly diluted. Yeah, and and he his only remarks on the DeAndre Hopkins trade was that it was a bold move, and as a fan, you should be happy that you root for a team that makes bold moves like trade DeAndre Hopkins for you know pretty much nothing. You you know what else would be a bold move is if Bill O'Brien went out to the 50 yard line on opening you know opening night. And just took a big dump on the fifty yard line. That would also be a bold move, <laughs> Cal. So let's let's not you know conflagrate what a bold and a smart move might be. Yeah, I like how his adjective to you know, describe the DeAndre Hopkins trade is like a Doritos chip flavor. Like you want to describe <laughs> your Doritos as being bold. You don't necessarily want to describe your football team as being bold. As oh, like, like whenever like on the field, I guess bold's not a bad way to be as far as you know taking risks and that sort of thing. But you don't really want to do it as far as trading DeAndre Hopkins and using bold as an ad to describe it. And uh, the other thing he alludes to also is some other big changes coming down the pipe. And so I don't know if he's referencing the NFL in general by you know whatever whatever rules they may make in the future or. Uh, how they may change things, or if he's talking about the Houston Texans and what bold moves they may have coming up. And I guess those bold moves could be, you know, trading Deshaun Watson to the New England Patriots or trading Laramie Tunsil and then trading for, uh, you know, another offensive tackle because they don't want to pay him $22 million a year. Or the bold move just may be, you know, contract extensions to both those guys. But I don't know what he's discussing here, but it sounds like he's discussing other things regarding the team, and maybe it could even be some sort of draft strategy where they trade up in the draft. But that being said, I don't think they're telling McNair at all anything. He came along on his computer to be a part of these com- these conversations. Well, and that's the hope and dream, right, is that he's actually not part of these conversations because the guy is clearly a dullard. 
And so like the last person I wouldn't want involved in setting what my long-term strategy is him. And the second least person I would want is Bill O'Brien because there's no long-term strategy. But I just love the, the fact that he he so quickly pivoted to like bold moves to look what we got going in the future and we hope the season starts on time. Like he just wouldn't even really address the Hopkins trade at all. What was what was bold about it? What improved <laughs> the team? Like like I want I want some like we think the team's going to improve because of X and he can't vociferate that at all. Yeah. And it's weird to like why even have him on this call at all. You know what I mean? If yeah, that's right. if that's what he's gonna offer here. Um what's also funny too is we, I didn't pull this clip because it's it's kind of a long one, but he talks about probably four minutes or so about how exciting it's going to be whenever they add a, another playoff team. And Mike Meltzer on Twitter said the best move the Texans made this offseason was by having a seven playoff team get added to mm-hmm. each conference to you know help them because they can point to well we made the playoffs again and you know things didn't go how we wanted them to, but you know we we were in the postseason. The, the entire goal seems to be let's just make the playoffs. And that's it. That's like the bare minimum. Let's make the playoffs. And, you know, that's striving for mediocrity again. I hate yeah. it. I hate it with my freaking heart. <laughs> and he also is like, it's going to be a really fun weekend. We'll have three playoff games instead of two playoff games. And it's going to be a good binge watching weekend. And it's going to be very entertaining. And you're going to like it. And I'm going to like it. And really, like, what all the owners care about that is that it just makes them more money, you know? Because I hate the right. idea of adding a seven playoff team. I hate only one team having a buy. I don't want to have, like, the extra game. I, I like how square it currently is, and I don't see the need to change it. Like, adding a 17th game, like, it doesn't make any sense at all. But it's just a, a money ploy. It's not, like, I'm not going to be that much entertained watching, you know, by the fact that, what, the Colts didn't make the playoffs last year? You know what I mean? Who had been the 17 last year in the AFC? And who cares? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really like the six. I think adding the seventh is just stupid. That's just placating the McNairs. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much like, oh, we could have watched the Raiders play the Ravens in the first round of the playoffs on, you know, Saturday at eleven o'clock or whatever. You know, I, I don't, I hate it, but it's just funny though. It's like that's the spot where he was able to talk long on and really you know, be eloquent about, and it's just adding additional playoff game. And we all got it. We know how it works. You know. Uh. So this is Cal. This is the last clip I have of Cal, and he's talking about the Bill O'Brien, Jack Easterby uh, duo. Well, they work very collaboratively, and they're always meeting. They're always taking new ideas, really from <laughs> um, from within and from without, to try to get better and improve the processes. And they have very open minds. They're very smart people. And they work very hard. And they take a long time um, sort of debating back and forth all the issues, all the important questions that we have. And I think they're doing a great job. So they're they're a tremendous job. They're very smart. They take ideas inside and outside the organization. They're constantly talking. That's Bill O'Brien, Jack Easterby. That is like word salad of stupid. <laughs> like he, he said nothing of actual substance during that entire thing. I mean, that's what you're talking about. When you've just gone, when we've gone like to this high level meeting about science, you, you know, this, these people are talking about like rocket science. Well, they communicated really well and really discussed the questions. What are they talking about? I don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And I also like the idea too of like, you know, Bill O'Brien used to be being this really, you know, forward looking duo that takes on all these new ideas and tries all these different things whenever they're still running the ball up the middle on first and 10. 
And it took Bill O'Brien seven years to understand the value of going for it on fourth down. And like, I mean, their analytics department's the best because really to be a part of their analytics department in Houston, it's like, yeah, going on fourth down is good. You just open up the FOA from five years ago. You say, look, this is an idea here. It's like, wow, you're a genius. I think that's it. That may actually work. <laughs> and uh, and so like, this is the department that takes some, these are the two guys that take so many ideas out there, you know? And I also just, I hate like that sort of, like talk, it's just, you know, Silicon Valley sort of nonsense, you know, that we're open to new ideas and we try so many different things and we're talking to so many different people and we take in so much information, you know, we're con- we love to learn. I mean, the only difference between what Cal said and the, and the, the crap, the real crap that you hear has, and I've got an MBA, is that he didn't use the word synergy or paradigm or, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the only difference. He said nothing. Or moat, he could have said moat instead of just saying core competency. That's right, that's right. Yeah, we got it. Because uh, uh, stocks are sports now, you know. So here's Mark Vandermeer introducing Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby. And I want you to pay very special attention to how he introduces them. CEO of the Houston Texans, Cal McNair. And now let's conference in Executive Vice President of Football Operations, Jack Easterby, and Head Coach Bill O'Brien. And Jack, let's start with you. What's it like to work through this part of the off season? It's a very important part, and everything that's going on in the world affects how everybody does business, and I know it affects the way the Houston Texans are doing business preparing for the 2020 season. Mark, thanks so much. I think, first of all, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention how this uh, entire organization has been unified during this time. I think, you know, when we first kind of found out what was happening and were educated by the people both in the national and uh, local scenes, we got together, Jamie and Susie and, and I, and uh, also uh, Coach, and we unified a task force to try to help identify things that we need to do uh, as a team and as a staff. And so uh, we've been busy trying to get those things done one by one, but also uh, stay busy to prepare our team for the 2020 season. So it's been fun, but it's been busy and lots of moving pieces, uh, as you might imagine. So whenever he introduces them, he makes sure not to call Bill O'Brien the general manager of the Houston Texans because they did that uh, video at the draft whenever it was uh, Vandermeer and John Harris talking to Bill O'Brien, and Vandermeer calls him the general manager, and Bill O'Brien scoffs at it, and he gets like really irritable and upset over it. And so Vandermeer made sure to only call him the head coach of the Texans instead of throwing out that GM label. Well, we we have a unified task force that we put together (laughs) on this offseason that we have a checklist of things that we're going through and things that affect the world affect us. Oh, jeez. Again, it's a bunch of nothing, but I think you mentioned the most important thing about it. He doesn't call him GM. He calls him coach. Yeah, and and it's like it's like another method to kind of deflect what is happening this offseason. I mean, Bill O'Brien, I, I I don't think he's a stupid guy, but I don't think he's he understands what he's doing, and so he has to understand that the fan backlash against trading DeAndre Hopkins is tremendous. I mean, again, I have never seen a fan base that so hates a single coach, and I don't think it's projection anymore. I think it's this is like pretty overwhelming at this point in time. And so he's going to get upset when you call him uh, or when you, when you call him the GM, because people are going to get pissed off. They're going to say, look, this is a guy who traded DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, it, it's we're going to hear a little bit more 
So, you know, Brian's going to talk about the Hopkins trade in a couple of clips. And I'm really looking forward to that. But, you know, Matt, I'm also excited about this next clip because. <laughs> I, I think it's the key to the whole thing. Also, Truly. you know, as bad as this epidemic is, I am very thankful by how closer it's brought me to you know, everybody on the website and my family and my friends by me not being able to see them or spending time with them at all whatsoever. But I feel a lot more unified as I you know, sit at right. home and look out the window <laughs> and not talk to anybody or see anybody and, uh, and just, you know, well, people are out there dying and are very sick. I just, I do feel very unified right now at the moment. You're very unified with your dog. Yeah. I got two dogs over here right now. Oh, and, and your Cro-Magnon man look. Yeah, the mustache. Like, I'm very unified. My mustache, my ponytail, right now. You guys got you. I wish I could. You know, if I wouldn't hurt, you know, Matt. But he, he seriously looks like he just he he's like the first generation of his family that's actually walking upright. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could you could screenshot me one and tweet it out. I don't really care at all. Oh no, I won't do that to you, man. Uh, it's all. I I did post the ponytail last week, which is fine. <laughs> That was nice. <laughs> I got to do it again next week. Um, so the next clip here is, again, you alluded to it, but I think this is the most important clip of everything we're going to listen to. Throwing up now. It's definitely a different time. I, I think the first thing uh, that I that I would really like to say is, again, you know, I think in this league it all starts with ownership. And when you, when you have a great owner, uh, Janice McNair, uh, Cal McNair, and Hannah McNair carrying on the legacy of Bob McNair. I think that's all, all, all that really needs to be said, Bandy. I think that w one thing that I want to make clear is, is the, the McNairs have been out in front of this from day one. I mean, they said from day one, all of the employees are going to be paid. Like nobody's going to be laid off. And so O'Brien, before he says anything at all about the football team, he makes sure to, to compliment the McNairs and ownership and his bosses and make sure like that entire relationship is uh, is praised, and you know Cal's great, the McNairs are great, everything they do is great. They're you know just model citizens. And I also I don't really understand this idea of you know praising you know ownership and praising companies for who have who they aren't even like working at all right now. It's the off season, you know what I mean? Like it's not like it's it's changed their operations at all whatsoever. And I also just understand like you know praising these companies for like doing things that they should just do, you know, like the Texans should keep paying the people who are working the cafeteria and keep paying their front office employees and, and that sort of thing. And so I, I don't really understand that portion of it. But again, the key thing here is that O'Brien, the first thing he does before he talks about the team is praise the McNairs and praise ownership. And they're great owners, Matt. They're great owners, Hannah and Cal, Janice, <laughs> they're great owners. And again, it's just, why are they great owners? I guess because they don't fire the head coach and they give them a lot of time to sit there and, and then they kind of hands off, I guess, in that way. There we go. There's the answer. I mean, geez, the guy who has like, who clearly can do no wrong in their eyes. And I cannot wait till we get to some of these other clips. It's utterly ridiculous. It's just, Yes. You know what? I, you know, I wish it reminds me because, because you're in the energy industry too. And, and I used to be, is, is that there was a dude in San Marcos. I can't remember the name of the, uh, the, the, the uh, power company that's down there. Blue bonnet, I think is what it is. There is a guy who worked for like 10 years 
and nobody really even knew who, what he was doing. And he was making like $180,000 a year out at this blue bonnet co-op electric. And, and nobody even knew he existed, but he made like $2 million in this job. Mm-hmm. And of course, with the, I mean, if I were him, I would think, hey, thank you to my owners for not noticing me. And that's like, to me, that's Bob McNair right there. That's the guy who's just... He has he has nobody to answer to, and who the hell knows what he's doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, of course, the owner's good because they don't fire you, and they don't care if you just make the playoffs and you know keep treading water and everything else. And I just don't think, I mean, I don't know. It just seems it's just, I it just kind of really describes why you know Brian still has his job and everything else. It's he makes the playoffs and he makes sure to tell Cal how great he is at everything he's doing. You know. And don't forget about Hannah. I almost forgot about Hannah and Janice, them as well. Right, right. Very important. Very, very important. So here's O'Brien on the Texans' total off-season strategy. And this clip is a little bit longer. It's about you know, a minute and 45 seconds or so. I would say that, that just like any other season, when the season ends, the very first thing you do is after you, you know, take a break and, and realize that, you know, obviously that the season didn't end the way we wanted it to end. Um, we all want to, you know, get to that championship game and, and, and have a chance at the Super Bowl. We all know that. We all we all are working hard to get to that point. Uh, so you have to you have to take a little break after the season. We did that, took a couple of days, and then we reconvened and and we began to look at our own team. We looked at our own team in a lot of different ways. We looked at our own team relative to skill set. We looked at our own team relative to contracts. We looked at our own team. You know, relative to the depth chart, uh, relative to the other teams, especially in our division that we have to play. And we started to make some decisions on what was the best uh, path to go uh, for the 2020 season. You know, no season is unlike – every season is different. I've said that from day one. Uh, and anything that we do, uh, any decision that's made, um, it, it is made with the team in mind. Capital T, capital E, capital A, capital M. Everything that we do is made with the team in mind. We don't think about one player. We don't think about one day. We don't think about necessarily one year. We think about the future. We think about the great quarterback that we have in Deshaun Watson. Uh, we we want to surround, continue to surround him with, with dependable, tough, smart players that care about winning, that care about the team. So I've said this since day one, but every football season is a different football season. I just don't even know how to, you know, how to approach that. I think my favorite part is the capital T. Capital <laughs> e. I mean, that really is because it just goes, he, he, look, I get it. He's not going to give away his, his, his secrets, but when he starts talking about improving the team, you don't improve the team by trading away. your one of your top three players. I mean, that's not a thing that happens. And so, especially when you trade him for a guy with a huge contract who is like one of the 50 guys who can do the same thing. And so I just like, I, I love the, the kind of how he's, he's justifying trading Hopkins by saying it's about the team and raw. Bill O'Brien is North Korea. I mean, it's just clap louder for Bill O'Brien because Bill O'Brien wants you to. And it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's what's best for the team is getting along with the head coach at all situations and all circumstances. 
Um, and the thing about it too, like the capital T capital E thing is hilarious, but that's also like a Bill Belichick thing as well too. And it's what you've talked about before. Like all these coaches from Bill Belichick's coaching true, they understand is that he understands value. Something that, you know, Bill O'Brien doesn't buy the players and picks that he's received and the trades that he's made. Also, he's had an incredible quarterback on a cheap contract. Some of the Texans had, but they didn't use very well after wasting Deshaun Watson's rookie contract. And again, they had the greatest quarterback of all time as well at the same time. And he just like, he, but he still keeps that same mantra and that same culture and that same philosophy. Whenever what's more important, I think, than capital T, capital E, capital A, capital M is talent and having really good football players. And we just saw the Kansas City Chiefs win a Super Bowl by banking on talent and having really good football players and letting those players be individuals and, you know, play how they want to play and act how they want to act instead of being so upset and worried and, you know, caring so much about this idea of like culture and camaraderie and being a, not a me first sort of guy and that sort of thing. And he also talks about being tough, smart, and dependable, which were the three adjectives they used to describe David Johnson after that trade was made too. Yeah. You know who else is tough, smart, and dependable? DeAndre the guy who played through broken ribs in the playoff game, you know? I think Jadavion Clowney was pretty tough, smart, and dependable, too, after he got over his, his little knee injury and stuff from, you know, seasons three to five. Yeah. I, I, I just, The specious logic that Bob has to use and try to prove that he is not wrong is stupid. And I just, it drives me up the wall. I, I, I seriously, this is one of the worst, it, it gotta be the worst trade I can ever remember. Uh, and uh, I'm even including the Ricky Williams trade. I'm including the Herschel Walker trade. Mm-hmm. This was a stupid trade. Mm-hmm. Well, and I didn't pull this clip. But he talks about uh, resigning their own players, and he talks about Darren Fells, and he describes Darren Fells as an excellent football player, and by meeting all three of the qualities they look for, which he doesn't say what they are at that time, but he has to be talking about tough, smart, and dependable. And so, so far from the strategy, we found out the Texans only care about the team. Every football season is entirely different than the other football season. They look for three qualities, tough, smart, and dependable. And that's how they're building their franchise currently. I just want to punch a wall. <laughs> uh, so this is O'Brien on the Hopkins trade. And maybe after this one, you'll actually t- hit the wall. I would say the deal with Arizona was a deal that we felt uh, was, was in the best interest of our team. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is a great football player here. He, he made so many plays for us. We love DeAndre Hopkins. But he had three years left on a deal, and he wanted to raise. And, and we weren't going to be able to go in that direction. We felt like we had a great offer from Arizona that, that involved picks and involved uh, an excellent three-down running back uh, who is hungry and, and humble and just can't wait to get started. David Johnson is going to be a great addition to our football team. Uh, there's a lot of things that go into trades, a lot of thoughts that go in. How do you, how much are you going to take on contractually? How much does it, does it take to buy a, a, you know, that second round pick, that number 40 pick, you know, what type of player are you bringing in? What type of player are you losing? And what is in the best interest of the team? Capital T, capital E, capital A, capital M. Every decision we make, as long as I'm the head football coach here, will always be made in the best interest of the team. So for this clip, he goes back to the capital T, capital E, capital A, capital M, and then also says as long as he's the head football coach here, 
every decision he's going to make is going to be in the best interest of the team, I guess, which I think every general manager does regardless of culture and trying to have this idea of like, I don't know, of running a college program. Um, and, you know, Hopkins trains a bad trade regardless, and it hurts the team no matter what the sort of like, you know, preaching is from him. The the vibe I get from Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien listening to that clip, is that he's a really crappy high school coach who has no idea what he's doing. And so he's just going to keep saying capital T, capital E, capital. <laughs> it's like just some it's like Tourette's, you know, that's that's what my go back's always going to be. Three years left and he wanted a raise. Three years left on his contract and he wanted a raise. You know what? We got plenty of cap space we could have done that with. Mm-hmm. So any sort of logic that you want to use to to justify that, if you're Bill O'Brien is stupid, David Johnson's hungry. Matt, he's hungry. I looked at his 2019 tape just like you did. Dude ain't hungry. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I, where does he get this? Where did, My- All this is such... BS, it kills me dead. It just every time when I hear Bill O'Brien's voice and I hear him saying this crap, I just want to punch everything in my like general area. You should get a drum set. You can listen to the conference call and play the drums I, I've, and get it all I've out. Got, I've got a heavy bag. There we go. That'd be, pretty, that'd be a good <laughs> video. <laughs> uh, I like maybe some, maybe we can find some video of Deshaun Watson training this offseason and put the conference call behind it, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, but no, I do. I love the idea of them. Like it's such a high school football thing to have like your, your season shirt, you know, just has capital T, right. capital E cap. And then some sort of, you know, adjective, whatever. I don't know what you call that, that at all. Whenever you have a word and you come up with an adjective or another word, which goes with each symbol at each letter for it. I think it starts with an A. I don't know. Adverb. No, I I, like an anarchism or something like that. I don't know. Uh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's what I get out of that too. Also, like the David Johnson trade, you know, we talked we did a whole podcast about, you know, the trade itself. And like you mentioned, you know, Johnson didn't play very humble and hungry in 2019. He looked slow and fat and didn't run very hard. And him and Kenyon Drake played, you know, two different sports last year. He didn't play really at all after he was injured and uh Chase Edmonds was a better running back than he was. And really the only thing Johnson did that was good was playing the slot and beat really bad linebackers on fade routes. So that was his best skill last year. And even as a receiver, a lot of his catches last season were like wide open dump offs because they're running four verts and they're in, you know, going against the defense running deep zone, you know, and there's nobody around him. And he just, he didn't break any tackles. He was bad. I really think they were opening up Rick Smith's old scouting reports and pulled the one from 2015. <laughs> and it was like, oh, we can get this guy. This guy's great. And, uh, and so it's it's unbelievable though. Like there's no the trade here is in the value of David Johnson. And also, like if you're using money as an excuse for trading Hopkins, it's a bad argument too, because like you mentioned they have cap space, but it's also like instead of signing Eric Murray, you can give Hopkins three million to guaranteed at that time as well. And like Hopkins doesn't have any leverage at all in this situation, being three years away from free agency. And so I don't really think he could even, you know, like him holding out I don't think it's something that he can even really pull off at all. I think that's just a scapegoat argument for making the trade because if you know anything about the salary cap, three years on your contract, you don't. There's no like. There's no leverage at all for the player in that situation. He's not on the franchise tag. His deal is not to come up and expire. Um, and it's either a scapegoat or Bill O'Brien has no idea how the salary cap works and how you know personnel management works at all. Sure, I'll go with that. 
because I don't think he does. It's either one. I don't know which one it is. It, right, right. I just think it's arrogance. It really is arrogance. Is he he went his first you know four years without a real quarterback? I guess first three years without a real quarterback. We still have AJ McCarron as our backup quarterback. I mean, that's arrogant to me as well. It's just it, he's he's. He, said it before he learned about football in 1978 and i'll be damned if he, anything's going to change and i tell you what if you think that that deandre hopkins is an outlier if you think that uh, Clowney's an outlier then don't be surprised when deshaun watson's dealt for for neko wafers as well yeah well and i do think also you know the really the first symbol or the first instance of this happening was the Dwayne brown trade where brown yep. is you know 32 at the time i believe and he has no guaranteed money left on his contract, and he has one year left on his contract. And the Texans trim for a second round pick. You know, four weeks into the season starts, and uh, Deshaun Watson gets hurt in practice that week as well, too. And then you start Julian Davenport before he ever should be starting, and whenever he's a baby and not very strong. And you know, he played. <laughs> I still say he played fairly well, fairly well his rookie year, considering everything. Uh, but like that started this entire you know domino effect or butterfly effect, I guess would be a better way to say it after that point where it completely dismantles the offensive line, everything's in turmoil, you know, Watson gets sacked all those times the year after. And um, it's, it's amazing how that one decision created the affected on the offensive line, but also has kind of been, you know, you can look back on the personnel decisions they made since then and how they you know, negotiate the salary cap and some of the decisions they made as well too. It's all befuddling. I mean, if you, if what other NFL team runs its personnel, like the Texans do right now, like it's nobody. Mm-hmm. And I would even say they got more value in the Brown trade than they did in the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Cause they, oh, didn't, they didn't even get any salary cap relief at all. And that's right. the thing too. He's talking about cap space and they saved $1 million this year by making that trade, you know? And also like, you don't have a bad football team by paying, you know, great players, you know, top money. You have a bad football team by paying mediocre players a lot of money, which is what you do. And you pay Randall Cobb and Eric Murray. If you even want to call either of those players mediocre. Yeah, and, and one of the things that we really need for the show at this point is every time we say the words Eric Murray, so like like we're bad morning like DJs, right? And so every time Eric Murray say, we need some sound effect in the background. Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I could do that, but I don't know. No, too much effort. Yeah, well, I guess I yeah. could I could put a little tally and put a note down every time, or I guess there's an internship for anything nowadays. I can find someone at the community college or something right. who wants to who I can write my resume and give them. $25 a week. Yeah, that sounds good. Right. Yeah. Or they can right. sit next to me and hit the horn, you know? <laughs> That'd be I good think too. they'd be terrified sitting next to you, to be quite honest. <laughs> so here's O'Brien discussing the free agent signings the Texans have made this year. We just added Timmy Jernick, who we think is a really good defensive lineman that can play a lot of different spots along the front three technique. Do I, um, you know, knows we, we added obviously Randall Cobb. <laughs> excellent pro he's been just awesome to deal with on the phone so far just been a great guy we added eric murray great special teams player and an excellent safety that's a really good tackler really competitive guy we added jalen watkins uh, jalen watkins is, is going to be an excellent safety for us an excellent special teams player a really a great teammate uh has a lot of respect around the league and, and we're looking forward to getting started with those guys we added brent Qualley on the offensive line uh, really good depth there on the offensive line. Uh, tough guy. Played for Mike Devlin in New York, so we have experience with him. So, and on and on and on. We've done a really good job. We're not trying to win March, man. We're trying to win in January. 
And we feel like these moves put us in, in a position where we're incomplete right now. We're not where we want to be, but it's, it's April. You know, it's not, it's not November. We're trying to set our team up depth-wise, talent-wise, everything that we do to be able to win in January. And on and on and on, Matt. And <laughs> on and on. Hey, Brent Cuvalli and, and Eric Murray and Randall Cobb. It's not 2015 anymore. And on and on and on, B. <laughs> I uh, all all of those reasons for signing those players, those are all b- very bad reasons. My favorite thing <laughs> is whenever he talks about Jernigan, he's like, "Yeah, he's very versatile. He plays three technique, uh, two eye, and I guess nose tackle." Yeah, sure, we'll yeah, go with that. Yeah, yeah. Even though I would describe like <laughs> Eric Arms as versatile because he can play everything from you know two eye to nine. You know, that's a versatile player. And also being talking about Randall Cobb as being like a a great guy by talking to him on the phone. So the yeah, phone. The, the phone conversations we've had been spectacular. We love Randall Cobb, you know? What is Cobb saying? Like, like, F yeah, coach. Yeah. Woo. And he gets the job. Is that like what this entails? Well, and you, did you see the Texans, you know, Twitter account after announcing the round Cobb signing, it talks about how like, you know, his father was a factory worker and how he grew up in rural Kentucky and how he's a blue collar worker and a real hard nosed player and that sort of thing. It's like, yeah, those great. You know, it doesn't matter what your background is as long as you're a good football player, you know? And this like this myth creation is it's unbelievable. You know, it really is. It's just myth creation to create this idea of something that doesn't really matter at all. It, it, but he doesn't carry a merce. And that's the most important thing about <laughs> Randall Cobb is no merce, no small toy dog, no color for clothes. You know, it's, it, it's like uh he's like uh you know maybe he has sex with one woman who knows who knows what he does so, so you know deandre hopkins is zoolander and randall cobb is you know zoolander's brother and father i don't know <laughs> uh yeah it's it's great and also like it this idea too like your team's not done in march i think it's an important point whenever you're like in like this role or whatever whenever you think about which team's gonna be good and that sort of thing and you evaluate things in the off season where, yeah, you get wrapped up into the early part for agency and, you know, you get worried about certain things about like, is this team going to be good? I don't understand these decisions, that sort of thing. Like it is true. Like you make decisions throughout the year that affects your team. Um, and you don't win, you know, you don't win a Super Bowl because I guess of what happens in February or whatever, but like you still need to have a good free agency period. You still have to make good decisions in February to be good in 2020. And the Texans haven't done that at all whatsoever. I mean, it's been an awful decision. And, you know, these names here, like these ideas of what he's naming for, the reasons for these signings being, you know, great signings are, you know, absurd. And they're, they're all just like, it's just nonsense. None of it means anything. It's a lot of empty words. It's stuff that sounds good on a whiteboard or in a pamphlet that you read, you know, that has the Texans logo talking about how we work hard and that sort of thing. I mean, if you've just traded for DeAndre Hopkins, you're saying, yeah, this is a guy who's, who's caught you know, X number of balls over these years for X number of yards. Instead, we're talking about this is a great guy in the locker room and this he's respected around the league, like special teams guys, you know, mm. you know, we're not talking about what he actually does on the field. We're talking about all the, 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 um, um, soft kind of skills that really don't make a football player, a good football player. Yeah. And then also skills that you have no idea. Cause you're talking to somebody on a phone, you know, you have no idea what they do, what they don't do. I think another really good example of this too was whenever 
um, O'Brien was talking about free agency entering the draft where he, he was like, yeah, like free agency really isn't all that great in the beginning of it. You spend a lot of money and you know, you get, and I think he's just like talking directly about game burned by name redacted and Brandon and Jeff Allen and those two decisions and Lamar Miller by when they spent all that money in 2016 and to have the results that year. And because of that, it's like, you know, you burn your hand in the stove and O'Brien's afraid to cook now uh, because of what happened in 16. It seems like. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Yep. So here are O'Brien's closing thoughts. Uh, for this conference call oh god yeah i would say uh from from myself uh we're very excited where we are right now i think the big key and i'm just i've always tried to be very upfront and honest in all of my dealings with people in the organization with the public uh we 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 really we, we really thank the season ticket holders i think in any in the history of any organization uh, any organization that has achieved greatness, there's always been some noise out there. There's always been that type of noise. And, you know, again, I, I would just reiterate that we are not trying to win in March. Uh, I would just hope that the season ticket holders have seen, you know, we've won four out of six division championships here. Uh, we know how to win. We're not talking about a six and 10 football team. We're talking about a team that wins and needs to get over the hump in January. We, we realize that, but we're doing everything possible to put together a great football team, and, uh, and and we're trying to get to where we can win in January, uh, win critical games on the road in bad weather or at home, hopefully, uh, and and you know in front of our fans. But we need our season ticket holders, and we're we're really uh, excited about the upcoming. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen you uh, so despondent before. In bad weather, so we call it like the little bit of cold in Kansas City is bad weather. Well, and also he's already kind of admitting defeat that they're not going to have a first run by and be playing home playoff games in January. Like he's already preparing himself to go on the road in January, that sort of thing. He's pitiful. He's pitiful. He is. He is the the embodiment of the mediocre white man. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's, I meant that. It's yeah. I mean, like. As far as the team goes, that's what he's been able to stand behind with the AFC South championships and going, you know, ten and six and nine and seven and those sorts of things. And like after listening to Cal, Cal doesn't seem like a real football guy. You know what I mean? And so like he's not the <laughs> Cal person. Cal, Cal's too busy eating lead paint chips. Football guy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so like Cal, I don't think has the capacity to understand like you win and losses aren't the best indicator of performance for a football team because. This the sample size is really short. You're only playing 16 games. And there's a lot of noise involved with it, and you know we've talked about this so many times, and uh, I've wrote about it so many times. You know about win loss record and one score games and turnover differential, and these sort of like random stats that have a big effect on a team's performance in one season. And so the Texans were 10 and six last year, or whatever they ended up being, but they went nine and three one score games if you include the win against Buffalo in the wild card round, and they did that because Deshaun Watson was incredible. And so the Texans are in this weird spot where even though the performance isn't there, they have won games, they have won division championships, and they've done it because lately because Deshaun Watson's, you know, spectacular. And that's what they've been able to hang their hat on. Um, and that's why that and then O'Brien, of course, praising, you know, ownership is why he's still here and able to do things like become the general manager and get every, and then get everybody else removed and be the last guy left and trade Jadavion Clowney and trade all that capital for Laramie Tunsil and trade DeAndre Hopkins. I, Bill O'Brien is a college student who just wants to get a C or 
like a D plus just so he could get his degree and be done with it. I mean, he's just shooting for the absolute bare minimum. He's too blue collar though to go to college. You forgot about that. <sighs> oh, I forget. Yeah, I did forget about that. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, I, I I don't <laughs> think I've ever. I mean, I hated Bud Adams, and there's a recency bias here, but but Bud Adams was a hard damn worker. I mean, you got to admit it, and even I admit that. And Bill O'Brien is just he just he. I can't stand the dude. Yeah. Well, and Bud Adams also flipped the double birds whenever they beat like a two and 10 Buffalo Bills team. You right. Know? Right. <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> Which is awesome. Uh, but yeah, so I think for Bill O'Brien, we learned that, you know, every football season is different. You got to be tough, smart, and dependable. And like, you know, who's not dependable? Uh, maybe Timmy Jernigan, who's had injury issues. Maybe David Johnson, who's had injury issues. Maybe Ryan Cobb, who's had injury issues. Maybe J.J. Watt, who always has injury issues. Um, maybe guys like that, you know, if you if you keep preaching this, you know, at least make decisions that are are similar to that. It's all about the team. The team is always first as long as he's the head coach. It's even about the team only. And, you know, you don't win football games in February. You win football games in, and you don't win football games in April either. You win them, I guess, in, September and October and November when you actually play football and what this is a winning football team because they've you know won some division championships. Oh my god. Anyway, and also you always have to spell team in all caps. Yeah, for sure. That's a good yeah. point. And you have to have a period after each one. T period E period. <laughs> what? He's a child. He's like a giant man child. Oh my god. <laughs> so the I don't I we don't I don't want to go through some of these Easterby stuff. It's just like Easterby is a chakra seller. He's a snake oil salesman. He, I don't know what he does, but O'Brien's constantly talking to him and running ideas through him about trades to make and personnel decisions and whatever. And this guy's a former chaplain. I don't know, you know, where this uh, football acumen has come from for him. And, and I also like the idea too, of the noise being, you know, people on the internet, you know, because Bill O'Brien doesn't read anything at all, as he always says, but he knows about the noise. And Easterby, I don't know what he does exactly, but he's there to preach culture and say things like, you know, the best time to plant a tree was yesterday, but now's a good time to start. And so he gets to say things like that. So here's Easterby's grand strategy. And he was in this conference call as well. And oh this, was, this was the best thing that he came up with. And y'all just visualize me making the wanking motion. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's just like anything, you know, when you uh, have a bunch of uncertainty or you have things you don't know, you can't really focus on those things. You have to focus on what you do know, right? You have to focus on the things that you can control and the things that you can research and the things that you can try to put together um, with the controllables. And so uh, our theory has always been that great decisions and um, great results will come from and on the back of great people and great processes. So. We've stayed engaged in all our processes around the building. Every sub-program is doing a great job staying connected. Um, so for Jack Easterby, did you know that great results come from great people and great processes, and then you have great things happen if you have great people and great processes? Look, I get it. I probably said words very similar to that in the past. I mean, I'm a security guy, IT security guy quite a bit and it's all about processes but it's also about the repeatability of processes and the thing is is if you're good at a process and you repeat it and you're continually being successful that's a good thing if you have a process that your team goes you know bill o'brien was saying you know we're not a six and ten team we're nine and seventeen uh-huh. Woo! <laughs> look 
that's not a great repeatable process. And if your repeatable process is dependent upon one score games, that's not something you can stand up on. So when I listen to Easterby talk, all I can do, like seriously, all I can do is just make the wanking sign. That's all I got. It's just you're 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 saying nothing. Yeah, it, that's what he does though. He just speaks these like circles where he says a lot of stuff, and it's just pseudo intellect, and none of it means anything at all whatsoever. And I think like this entire conference call, like they just made, they just had an awful off season. They had a bad one last year too. They traded one of the best players in franchise history, a future Hall of Fame wide receiver, got an awful haul for him. Reportedly, he was on the train block for a year and a half, and this was the best package they were able to get out of it. And like I think GMs are just like not wanting to, what not trading anything of value to O'Brien because you can you know kind of swindle him and get whatever you want out of him, and that that is this is this is the ideas and this is what has created all of that. And in order to back that up and prop this up, they have this call to get the season ticket holders excited and make sure they don't sell their tickets. And this is what they've come up with. And this is the the genius behind their reasoning for making a trade that dumb and making the decisions they made this offseason. And so the whole thing is just, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It really is. Let's make one thing really perfectly clear is that they could have done a Zoom. They could have done a Skype. They could have had their season ticket holders be part of this and interactive and asking questions. But they didn't. Yeah. And I'm going to say right now, and everybody who doesn't like cussing, put on your earmuffs, it's because they're chicken shits. Yeah. And because they could not, they absolutely will not handle any sort of criticism of this well. Look, look. Well, if that, you're that's, a, all, that's all noise, BFT, you know? Oh, God. If you're weak, you can't handle criticism. You cannot handle constructive criticism. And Bill O'Brien is is like the king of not being able to handle that. Look at his interaction with fans you know yelling at him mm-hmm. like everybody who's like pro bill o'brien says oh look how awesome he is he's so tough no he's a chicken shit yeah i and i hated that clip so much i thought it so was, much like if it, it's it was just weak and really embarrassing um but <laughs> yeah it really is something else and also like they're afraid to talk to the media about this as well too that's what they did a conference call like this they even i understand like you know the covid is out there and you know coming after us all but like they could have had um, something with the media where they had it at their you know facility and they had you know five people there or whatever and took some questions and and that sort of thing potentially and of course they didn't they did something like this or they could have done a conference call with the media and taking questions from them but they won't and this is how they're addressing things that they do it's all inside it's all internal and it's all really just propaganda yeah and it's Vandermeer asking the questions and you know that the dude's on payroll what's he going to ask that's difficult. Wow, Bob, you look great today. What did you do with your hair? You know, it's Vandermeer. Yeah. He's not going to ask him anything tough. So <laughs> that's, uh, I, I don't have anything else about this conference call other than I like, I'm glad that it's out there. I'm glad we listened to it. I'm glad we did this. So that's, that's our show for tonight. We'll have a bonus episode come out tomorrow answering all your very beautiful and wonderful viewer questions because lovely. we, of lovely. course, tend to do this where we talk too much about something because you know, we're in so much unity right now. I feel so much love in, uh, in this house right now at the moment doing this podcast. But until next time, I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Bell Red Radio, and thank you for being on tonight, BMT. Woo!